All right, everybody, welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kurtz. I'm right here with Hollywood's most humble. I'm sitting right here with my man, Jake. How you doing today, man? I'm good, Jordan. How are you doing? Doing very well, man. So uh, right away, just to kick it off, so the people out there listening know, where can they follow you online or where can they see your work at? Um, so first off, Instagram, um, Instagram.com, Hollywood's most humble. It's going to be the handle. Facebook, Hollywood's most humble productions. Um... You can also find all my YouTube videos, Hollywood's Most Humble Productions, so HMH Productions for short. Um, yeah, pretty much all, all mediums, I, I try to get them covered. But That's Instagram, YouTube. thing, man, got to have, have a presence across the whole digital spectrum. There, Absolutely. So. But especially, you know, I feel like IG is one of the biggest booming mediums uh, out there, so yeah. having that presence out there, make sure that you give my man a follow right there, Hollywood's Most Humble. He's done some work with uh, with our comments from the Peanut Gallery friends, as well as uh, others at the Factory X Gym down here in Englewood, Colorado. So why don't you just kind of talk to us about how, how you got into the game, you know, how'd you cut your teeth? Okay, um... So I uh, just finished up school uh, at MSU Denver um, back in December, and I really got into film and uh, videography and you know a little photography um, through my minor sport media, as well as my internship down there. I was doing creative content for uh, the athletic department, so uh, putting together posters. You know, I would do some some of the like sports photography for different teams and. Just a lot of different stuff like that. Not as much video, um, but just through my courses, I just really got into, you know, post-editing like we were talking about earlier and just working in Premiere and, and programs like that. And um, I just always liked combat sports. And so on that side, it was just like, you know, right, let's cut some highlight videos. It started with Brandon Royville, you know, my good friend. Um, his, Shout out to Raw Dog. That's right. Uh, his uh, his video was actually for one of my um, video classes. Okay. Um, I totally didn't do the like go by the assignment guidelines, but like I did my own. Th- I got an A plus still. Yeah. But I was, like, I, I was like, I was like, yeah, thank you, man. I was like, it's because you know it's Brandon, so it's, he, he had a lot of good content for me. That is true. But uh, he's a but, savage. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and I uh, I just went with that, and you know it, it was supposed to be like a interview um with like a video of like somebody doing you know whatever they and i was just like you know what i'm just gonna do highlight video and just straight across throw it up on a little website like he wants and from there i just started going in you know i knew yousef real well and uh yeah i mean it's just one of those things where um anybody wants promotional material i mean i'll help them out and with that in any way i can i mean i can put together posters I can you know so but yeah the videography is definitely like where my heart is that's awesome man you know and that that video that you had of Yusuf dude that, that was awesome that, that, that was another I mean he you know yeah he gave me some good good material himself true. you know so and like I say mini hunts next so yeah, so keep in mind, you know, Mini Hunt, he fights, uh, what's it, this next Friday? Or uh, this I, next weekend? I yeah, think. Yeah, 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 in Tucson. In Tucson, right, yeah. right. So that'll be on Fight Pass, so I'm lo- looking yeah, forward to yeah. seeing that one. Yeah, no, so I'm looking forward to getting that video done, but probably going to hold off till, uh, you know, because there's never, there's never a boring... Uh, Right. El Guapo is what you guys call him down in Pueblo, huh? Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah. was his nickname until he came up to Factory X. Yeah. And then, uh, then he got the named, American Bully Hunt. And then yeah, Mini Hunt. American yeah. Bully Mini Hunt. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it's just because, like, you know, the very first, like, 
had a double take, you know, like he does look exactly oh, yeah. like Mark Hunt. Yeah, no, he's it's perfect. Yeah. Fights like him too, you know. It's, yep, just yeah. lets it bang. Yeah. So no, he's he's a good dude. I like Adam a lot. Yeah, I mean all those guys at the gym are, you know, they they're they always take you in as their own and you know, they oh, yeah. they're good guys. Coach Montoya has something very, very special over Ab- there at Factory X, you know. It's it's a family environment and it yeah. was it couldn't have been more put on display or more evident than this past weekend at the Renegade Fight Night Series Chapter 2 down in Pueblo where Selena Rowland fought yeah. along with M- Markel Medeiros and uh, and Mario Suazo. Yeah. You know, there was uh, there was everyone from UFC presence from within the gym all the way down to some of the, you know, the yeah. younger, newer regional type of guys. Yeah. There was no, guys I mean, like uh, Devante that was there. There was Brian Camozzi that was yeah. there. Jordan Titoni, Yusuf, Austin yeah. Jones, all LFA vets. Yeah. There was a lot of presence from people within there that just, everybody builds everyone in yeah. Factory X, no, which is awesome. And, I mean, them allowing me to come in and work with their fighters, and, I mean, that's something I really do appreciate because, I mean, it's just, they there's a lot there to, to, to be covered and a lot of, I mean, some of those guys' stories and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's another, you know, I think, um, you know, through highlight videos and you can kind of you know you can kind of show show that you know like i made sure to show yousef with his moroccan flag and you know so you can you can kind of get a glimpse of these guys you know personalities through those videos you know in a, in a way absolutely you know shout out to the moroccan devil he's uh he's a special dude man yeah he's a, nice. he's a great great figure that i've been able to come across in my life he's really definitely changed some things for me personally so you know yousef if you listen to this one Love you, brother. Appreciate everything that you've done for me. Yeah, no, it's you know with uh, with you getting into it and you still being very young within your uh, your career on the production side of things. Where do you see this taking? What is a uh, you know what's your goal or what is your end game? What 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 is the ideal situation for you specifically? Ideally, um, just this whole this HMH Productions is just something that I can you know is my main income. So. Um, you know, just working with anybody who needs, any, like, any type of promotional material. I mean, I'm, I, I'd like to say I have a pretty wide range of tools, um, and that's something I really want to get out there, you know. Um, I can do photography. I can, you know, I can shoot my own, my own video. You know, I can edit my own video. You know, you can kind of one-stop shop type of thing. Um, before then, though, um, probably like to get on, you know, some type of production company, um, in sports would be great um being i did go to school for sports management um but yeah just any anywhere where i could create i mean you know i wouldn't mind you know going back to those embedded for ufc you know i want to be on that team you know making those where they're just like professional they're you know so i got you know i got a little ways to go but i think um just the more people i can work with and the more knowledge i can obtain and just you know work off them i think would be for the better so yeah just um honestly i just want to create man i mean that's kind of where my mind's always been and kind of where it continues to go that's legit man do you know do you happen to have you came across will fox at all anytime that you've been at the gym uh his instagram is the fox identity I don't think I have. But he's uh, he, he might be a good person to to maybe try to uh, reach out to on a resource side of things. But he at one point he was uh, he was a guy who shot for Jackson Wings for years. He was a okay. John Jones personal photographer for a couple of years. Yeah, I, I was contracted. You for know, the I've seen his Instagram. I've yeah. never met him, 
but I've seen him post Factory X or like Factory X share his photos before, and I went and checked them out. Great stuff, by the way. I mean, it was yeah. definitely. Oh, he's one of the best. Yeah, I know. I, you could tell. You yeah. could tell. So yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, I got to meet him. I was fortunate to meet him a couple of weeks ago, and he was there shooting Anthony. Okay. Shoot okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, and Brandon. Yeah, that's and how. Brandon that's how I for, uh, for hypnotic. For, yeah, uh, for and those photos came out great too, man. I oh, mean, yeah. it, so. I would like to be on that level. Yeah, it, yeah. To go back to your last question, where I want to be like that. Yeah, no, you, uh, Will, you know. Will's the real deal. He's, yeah. he's a good dude with uh, with what he does on that. So, with that being said, you're you're more comfortable behind the camera. Yeah, you know, as, absolutely. As opposed to being you know the the guy out front. Yeah, yeah. I get you know I like how I make some music. You know, done some local shows and stuff. Shout out Old Solera. Uh, so I'm, you know, I can get in front of the camera. Okay. Um, I prefer not to, though. You know what I mean? And right. especially, um, kind of why I got more into, you know, videography and photography as opposed to, not that you'd be in front of the camera, but like journalism. Mm -hmm. Just like what I was saying earlier. Just kind of, you gotta, you know, you gotta really put yourself out there and stuff. Right. But this, I can more, yeah, you know, I can be more meticulous and quiet and just, you know, what do you want? Get it done. You know, exactly. Kind of do it on my own. You know work in sit in my basement and just you know edit you know for hours right so. right just kind of sink yourself into the yeah. moment you know lo lose yourself away from all the exactly. noise of, of what's going away i enjoy I totally it, understand you know, that. so yeah that that's understandable there that's where i'm trying to you know, learn more of that end of it i'm a little bit more i guess experienced or seasoned on this end you know on fr in front of it or on the speaking side yeah but, you know, just like you said, being able to possess that entire tool belt of skills yeah, for, matters. you know, all of your yeah. production, it's a huge thing. And and I think a big part of it, too, is just being open-minded. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, you know going to school especially, because, like, I, I kind of found what I wanted to do in life through my minor, which I was already through my major. I mean, I did my minor in, like, my last two semesters, so I was done with school then, but it was just... You know, I, it was a, it, going back to the learning curve. Like, you know, there's a lot thrown at me that at first it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, my first time in premiere, it was like scary, you know. Right. But you just get on YouTube, figure it out, you know. And from doing stuff like that, you you get more comfortable, you know, getting into programs and just not being intimidated, you know. And I think that's huge. I think a lot of people are just intimidated, intimidated by, you know, what's in front of them when it's like you just kind of have to just do it, you know. Don't think about it. Just figure it out just jump yeah and like in youtube youtube university right. is i can't preach it enough i mean you can learn anything you yeah know? that's what i was just about to kind of tie in and ask you was you know for someone like you on that who is really trying to one yeah you've learned stuff through school but you know i, I went through similar program as far as school journalism technical communications is yeah. my degree but you know there's, there's only so much within a school setting that you can learn as far yeah. as all of your different packaging effects or all that sort of stuff yeah, that you can do for your production work. Absolutely. I mean, how pivotal has it been for something like YouTube for someone who's trying to build an entire business off of this sort of, you know, ever growing? Yeah. It's there's nothing that is ever static about what you're doing. No, yeah. Technology is always improving. Absolutely. The software is always getting better. Everything is always changing, so there's no one set cookie cutter model. How important is it for you to have a resource like YouTube? Oh, I mean, it's very important. I mean, if I'm trying to do something in Photoshop and I don't know, you know, I just get on YouTube and I mean, you know, it might take me a little while, but it'll, I'll figure it out, you know, it's just, and it'll help with patience, you know. Mm -hmm. It takes, this stuff does, you know, 
people be surprised how long it takes to put together a minute-long video when you're actually, you know, being creative with it. And going back to technology changing and stuff, I'm, I think it was, uh, who was it? Uh, Mary Lou Williams, I think, said, it's not about what you play, it's about how you play it. I'm still a firm believer that, you know, you could have the best program in the world. If you're not creative, if you're not willing to try something different, it's only going to take you so far. So something that, you know, I kind of like to say for myself is, like, what I lack in experience, you know, just graduating very recently and, you know, finding it towards the, you know, the end of my college career I make up creativity, or with cre- creativity, I'm sorry. I'll be good. Um, so it's like, I'm just, you know, and it's, I'm a very meticulous and detail-oriented person, so it's something that I take a lot of care, and you know what I mean? I do, you know, my videos, at least my highlight videos, are, you know, they're very simple, but they're very intricate and meticulous at the same time, you know? I take a lot of time into making sure this hits here, him doing this matches up with this part of the song you know what I mean Mm -hmm. stuff like that and I think the music goes a long way too I have you know my friend friend music you know worked with them musically before Malcolm Z one of the best MCs out here I mean I'll I'll vouch for him all day I mean in his videography is you know shout out Malcolm Z in 33 films like He's, he's on it, and, you know, he'll send me tracks whenever, and they work because they're nice in the, you know, their trap with, you know, hard hi-hats and whatnot, and so just syncing that in with, you know, something so exciting like MMA right. just works, you know, okay. so, so I think it's more than just, you know, you gotta, you gotta just be willing to take it there, but, like, follow that same formula, you know what I mean, because, like, there is a formula, but you don't want to follow it to the T, just change it's a little something here, a little something here, and it makes a difference, man. Like, just the simple things, you know? Oh, yeah. So, not overthinking it, too. Like, you want it, but putting enough thought into it to where it's it's right. That makes total sense. And you could tell the attention to detail just from your video. Well, right I appreciate it. Even, like, the one uh, the one that you have just kind of documenting Mark for the day. Okay, yeah. You know, that, like, that, you know, right where the music kind of breaks and just kind of gets to the slow, you know, the slower portion of it where you could see, you know, like the main action of the video right then and there is him just kind of, you know, giving instruction right across. Yeah. It all just flows. Well, flows I appreciate the way it. Should. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it was... Uh, so I noticed your ring there, man. Oh, yeah. So are you a big Doom fan? Yeah, I mean, all that Stones Throw stuff, man. So, uh, okay. yeah, Mad Lib. Um, what I saw... I mean, we go... Like, yeah, I'm a hip-hop head for sure. Peanut Butter Wolf is, um, he runs a record label called Stone's Throw. Okay. And it would, Doom and Mad Lib and um, Common, cats like that were all on it back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, like, golden era hip-hop. Um, so, yeah, I follow all those guys, man. Like, I like weird beats with, you know, off-pattern off rhymes and, yeah. That's, that's hip hop though yeah no it's true true organic to the sound with it I mean it's it's not a cookie cutter format by any means no it's like uh, I call it like avant garde hip hop I listen to a lot of jazz so you know you listen to Charlie Parker and you know most people hear Charlie Parker when I first heard Charlie Parker I was like what the hell is going on here and then after you know learning you know the intricacies of that which you know I'm not a jazz musician I don't, you know I've taken jazz classes you know I've make hip-hop beats you know whatever 
but like now it's like you I know what makes it so great you know and Doom's kind of the same way you show somebody who's you know they listen to mainstream hip hop they're like what is this like it's hard you know it's not something that's easy to listen to and that's why I like it I'm a Wu Tang kid, man. So yeah. that that is all right yeah. up my alley. Oh yeah, I, I've I don't listen to as much music, just period, in general, as mm-hmm. I used to, just because I'm so busy with everything else. But still, you can't go wrong with the classics. You can't go no. wrong with just real, true lyricism. And there's nothing wrong with the music today, especially like the hip hop. You know, for me, because it's like, you know. We always want to go back and remember how things were and stuff. And, you know, that time was great. And that's, you know, I'm still listening to it. I mean, I put on uh, 2001, you know, The Chronic just the other day. And I was like, oh, man, I miss, like, bumping this in my car, you know, being in high school and stuff. But, you know, music changes and things evolve. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, you know, there's there's a lot of the new stuff out now you know all the mumble rappers and stuff like that where i don't but i can still you know i still understand it there's it still serves its purpose you know um but yeah i mean if you're if we're talking like real hip-hop because you know that stuff is arguably not even really hip-hop you know it's it's its own it's its own you know genre and it's fine it's cool you know people can listen to what they want but yeah that's what you know what i reference and you know and it's it's hard to find, you know. It's not not everybody knows. Doing, that's exactly, you know? you know. That's what that's what I say too. You kind of you kind of touched on it right then and there. I have no problem with anybody making whatever art or music, whatever it is out there. But you just can't call some of that hip hop. No, yeah, and I think a lot of it too is they're not. You know, I think people get upset because they don't like respect the culture, and you know, like you look at all this stuff with like Eminem, and you know. These kids don't understand that. Like, M is the best. Like, he's the best. You know, he had to battle people. He had to, like, be a true MC. He had to read a thesaurus. You know, you don't have to do that anymore. You have to just have the look and, the, you know, the backing, whatever. The social media following, whatever it is. your face a couple times. Dye your hair pink. Yeah. And and to touch on that, too, I mean, guys like Lil Peep and, like, XXXTentacion, like, that both deceased obviously were especially x was doing some great things because i mean i grew up i was a punk and metal kid i mean that's and then you know kind of indie alternative rock i found later but i mean i my brother bought me a black flag so he slip it in when i was like eight years old you know and those guys weren't making hip-hop either they were you know x was making like death metal tracks and that was cool to me for you know somebody who's a hip-hop figure to be mixing genres like that you know people was doing like emo trap like it wasn't it was different you know and that i can appreciate my thing is i don't like everybody trying to be the same you know and you can look however you want as long as the music is good you know like even six nine is he my favorite no but you know his his stuff go you know there's some hard beats you know he's yelling like i can like work out to it i you know it has its purpose it has its purpose but you know, they almost refuse to listen to that dude out of principle. But it, it's, I, it's I hard feel you. not to. It, like, yeah, no, you know, I feel you. Gym heavy rotation is bozo all the time. So yeah. you know, I know I get you too. It's not like he's like you know my my go to or anything. And I, I still think the guy's ridiculous. I don't think he's all funny like everybody does. No, it's but, just more so knowing what his background is. And yeah. What he's oh done. yeah. And that's no, why I, I refuse. Yeah. I just think he's kind of you know 
character-wise, he's a piece of shit that yeah. way for his sex crimes. And I mean, you're you know you're a product of the environment you grow up to. You know, like it, it it's it's a yeah, it's layered. I get it. Yeah. So and that's the that's the thing there. But you know, going back to my point is, um, you know, a lot of older heads, and you know, I'm a like I consider myself a hip hop head for sure. I mean, I make hip hop music. I you know. I, I've been a student of it forever. I mean, as soon as I was in high, like, you know, my sophomore year, I only listened to Tupac, you know, like, that was it, you know. I mean, that's all, he had so much music, you know, I could, you know. But they're never going to understand, and it's not, it's just so different now that how great Eminem is, it doesn't, like, matter to him. And him, you know, he's just feeding into it more and stuff. And, you know, the stuff with him and Machine Gun Kelly, I mean, that's all, that's, on per, you know, that's for promotional reasons. They know what they're doing. You know, hip hop beefs aren't what they used to be. You know, like with Biggie and Tupac. I mean, two guys, you know, died for that. You know, um, Fifty Cent in the game. I mean, it was getting pretty close to that point with them. You know, more so now. It's more. You know, hey, let's. I, it's it's more premeditated and planned. And, you know, I don't think Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem really have beef. You know. But it's one of those. It's one. Of, I mean, they. I at least rumored that beats from like their dish songs were produced by the same guy. So I mean, if that's the truth, then you there's something behind what you say. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but that's just you know. I know. Um, I'm trying to think of one that was pretty recent. I think it was what Drake and. Um, or who Pusha T was beefing with everybody. Like I know a lot of that was like premeditated. Like they were, you know, no, we didn't have problems with each other. But this is how, you know, people Trying like drama, you know, right. which is fine. You know, you can, you know, to, to more power to you. You know, if you can find a way to. It's just sometimes you got to be careful what you say because you might, you know, and then may, maybe it could have been a thing of with the Eminem and MGK thing that you know because because i don't know this is just me mm-hmm. there's nothing that you could have told me that okay we have some sort of friendly agreement and you're gonna go that far in on, on I, either you, side yeah you'd really. be surprised though man because it's like for for the for the bottom dollar yeah i mean because i mean eminem i get it bottom dollar definitely definitely speaks but you know i, I think of it also I, I think that ufc 229 was the perfect epitome of that you know i mean khabib got paid a bigger payday than he's ever gotten in his entire life would have had the uh, would have had the red carpet rolled out for many and many opportunities but Eminem himself said it on like toy soldiers said there's certain lines you just don't cross and he crossed oh yeah them. no Habib's a real gangster man <laughs> so you know with, with we that figured that out said, real quick you know I, I, I don't know there's just even even in lieu of promotion there's certain lines that you just yeah. don't cross, and I don't know, like, it's simple, like, there were some of those lines being tra- traded and back I, and forth. I hear that. you. That or you were at mean. least in Eminem's comeback yeah. with Killshot. Yeah. You know, that, um, that one was rough. Yeah. Now, and, you know, I think also, too, you know, MGK and Eminem, they know the game. Like, Habib doesn't play the game. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he, like, when Connor was saying this stuff, he thought he was promoting a fight. Like, it wasn't a joke to Habib. Like, he no. wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like that. I think of it, or I just say this, and I, I posted this, you know, on, a, on the comments from the Peanut Gallery page. When it comes to, especially, there's different cultures around the world that interpret different things very, very seriously. You know, yeah, oh, absolutely. Just being one of them. So if you take a look widespread across Earth, across this planet that we live on, 
the major conflict that it, that exists out there. I would say that a large majority of the global scale conflict has a religious base to it oh, in absolutely. some fashion. Yeah, no. So absolutely. you want to start talking, you know, start attacking this man's religion, and nonetheless, a religion in, in which they are willing to die on yeah. any given day for their god or for the, for their religious cause. Yeah. They are willing to strap bombs to their chests or do other you know other things of that nature. I mean, other, other attacks. I mean, not like, all. You know. Not, not, not all. Yeah, but, but just, just saying and, that that has been some factions of this religious portion. If you, you attack yeah. this guy, you think that they're gonna go any less or different because you're Conor McGregor? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and you know, you're offending his country. It's and it's just a different, you know, it's just a different world out there, man. And I mean, that's you know, I think anybody, uh, I think, can you, you? I mean, obviously, anybody can use religion or you know religious text and you and take it in an extreme way you know i mean we you know domestic terrorists you know right. any anybody absolutely anybody but yeah at the end of the day like this guy he lives by that code and he's not you know yeah i think connor should have known better i mean is is my my bottom line there is that it wasn't it wasn't a fight promotion thing for him you know don't when you said when you called his dad a coward like he want you know like that wasn't for the fight like he yeah you start calling out his brother too as well you know saying yeah. I've knocked this I've seen this man's brother knocked dead unconscious yeah you know like yeah. you, you can't you just can't say some and of I, stuff and I will say it. it was probably a good learning experience for Connor because I don't think that he I mean I don't think any of us knew the scope of, you know, what had been said, the effect it had on Habib. And, you know, if we're, you know, blaming people, I think Dana White's probably ultimately at caught or Thank to blame. You. Yeah. Dana is the biggest person to blame in all of it in my opinion. Yeah. I mean he promoted the fight with the class A felony assault right. and let, you know, let's Connor do whatever he wants. Cause I mean, everybody can say what they want about Habib's post fight antics. But no one wants to talk about Connor's pre-fight antics. I mean, this guy round up, rounded up a group of guys, jumped on a private jet, flew from Ireland to New York to go confront Habib for saying something to Artem. And where was Artem during this whole thing, too? That's my question. I didn't see Artem once. And this whole beef, like, pretty much started because of him, you know? Habib mobstered him, and Connor didn't like it. And, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, personally, I'm not a big fan of either of them going into the fight I was cheering for Connor because I like his fighting style better um, Habib had that video that came out of him like paying homeless dudes to do push ups and laughing at him with his friends and like that was that's not a cool you know but I think Connor kind of got what he had coming you know yeah. and Habib's team was out of line I mean I, don't, I can't remember who it was that jumped the cage and I remember watching it and I saw it and I was like that you know because his Ali came over and they like you know both tried to swing at each other. It looked like Connor popped him, and the guy in the red shirt came over, and I was like, "This is bad, man." Like, well, Con- and what a lot of people didn't see is Connor threw a punch before anybody yeah, attacked like him, like up on the fence, right? Yeah. And you know, to me, and this is just me from the outside looking in and seeing it, that was classic hold me back routine that Connor was doing. Because I think I mean, that Connor could have gotten up over the fence, and if he really wanted to get down into that scrum oh, where his yeah. boy Dylan Dennis was with him, yeah. that's I can't stand Dylan Dennis. 
Dylan yeah, Dennis I mean, I think that's kind of the consensus of the MMA world. And, I mean, this guy's still, I mean, like, Habib will smash him. Dos Anjos will smash him. Like, I mean, I don't, you know, she's a jiu-jitsu prodigy, whatever, but, like, these guys will, you know. Right. Because I don't know if you saw his exchange with Dos Anjos, but it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want any of that smoke, man. No, <laughs> like, you're talking, you're talking a world champion. Yeah. Or a former world champion. Yeah. That's... Not not gonna happen that way. I just love how in the end, uh, Khabib's fam- or Khabib in the press conference, you know, him and his whole team, they're uh, they're tap factory. You put them in a bad position, and they're a tap factory. Yeah, uh, I was cracking up when he said that. But, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you, there's some people that just operate on a different. You know, <laughs> why you don't you don't start stuff with people because you don't know what what they're capable of, man, where they're coming from. You know <laughs> what. You know, if they're willing to die for this, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and I think we, you know, found out, you know, who who really was. And I mean, let's not forget. I'm not, you know, Conor McGregor is one of the best fighters to ever come on the scene. You know, I'm not gonna. But he did tap to a neck crank. I mean, I think that's something that's a little bit lost in this whole thing too. Is I mean, yeah, it hurts, but I mean, you can't really tap as a as a top level fighter like that I mean it does not look good to tap to neck crank and I mean we saw how quick he tapped to Nate Diaz too right. I mean it's kind of becoming a trend that he's kind of quick to tap you know and I mean I don't think that's no no I, know, I, I agree with you there I will say this though from having I would tap to the neck crank in a, yeah don't get me wrong fulcrum choke yeah that that is painful and it's Habib too right but I mean he, he was you know he, he probably could have fought her a little bit longer. You know, oh, yeah. I think, you know. It, it, yeah, I mean, that, right. he I didn't mean, have it, it under the chin. Yeah. But and, it's still painful. Oh, no, I don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, and like I said, I mean, and I, know Connor, I mean, you saw his fight with Nate Diaz, the second fight. I mean, that was a complete war. I right. mean, Connor, it's not like Conor McGregor's, you know, soft or anything like that. But I think, you know, his lack of ground game definitely, he probably panics a little bit when he gets in those positions because, I mean, obviously he's not used to ever being in those positions. He's so dominant, too. I mean, the beginning of that fight, I thought he was about to out-wrestle Habib. I was like, when he was stuffing him and, like, getting better of, like, their gra- like their grappling exchanges, mm-hmm. and that ended real quick. But I was like, what is going on here? Like, this guy really is, you know. But Are you familiar with, uh, with Dean Lister at all? Do you know who Dean Lister is? I don't think so. No. He's a former world champion uh, jiu-jitsu guy, but I mean, he's uh, he's he's got a YouTube series where he's done like coaching videos and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he works a lot alongside with uh, with Jocko Willink. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Jocko either, but Jocko's yeah. a huge like Jocko, you know, inspirational yeah. figure that's out there. But he has a video out there that uh, where he he talks about that fulcrum choke itself, mm-hmm. and they, they call it, call the move a choke, but it's really you're you're correct in yeah. saying it, it's, it's a neck crank in yeah. that way, but. You know, and he had him right there, and basically he gets him in that gable grip there, yeah. and then puts the elbow to that middle portion of oh, the yeah. back and just squeezes that way. I mean, you don't even have to have like if you if you look at some of the old like video just jujitsu competition videos of guys like uh, like uh, Marcelo Garcia or thing, or dudes like that, where they've gotten taps in jujitsu comps from there, but it's just because that pressure that you're able to apply once you can get this elbow back yeah. in here and squeeze and tighter. It just almost feels like your head's going to explode, yeah. to pop off. So I don't doubt that you know that it was a very, very vulnerable and trying yeah. position that that Connor was. But in it right wasn't going to put him out. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, you know. And, and it's hard to say because that's what uh, you know. That's what uh, Tito Ortiz hit with uh, with Chael Sonnen. 
that that's the exact and finish that he had. So I don't that, know. What and that finish, I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, though. Yeah, but that, no, I thought that Tito yeah. might have tapped early on. Yeah, and, and like, you know. there's been a few things in Bellator where you've had to look at him and like, I don't know about that. Very you know? pride esque. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, but no, I get what you're saying, and I, and that's not to take. You know, I think it's more if that was. It, I think it's more so it coming along with the Nate Diaz rear naked choke, you know, because he was you know, he was you know he was tapping before you know right when he sunk it in. I mean he was so. And I think I, his attempt to take down was basically him throwing in the white flag. Yeah, I mean because Nate even said it after he's like trying to take me down like I'm not the black belt here. Yeah, I mean once. Yeah, I think our consent was okay. Like Connor's a wrestler now, you know, and I. And, and Connor, you know, took that fight. He's a, he's very, I, you know, he's humble in victory and in defeat. I mean, you know, across the board, I, they're just, you know, I know he does it to promote the fight. He's going with the Ali type, you know, whatever. But I do think that he needs to display like, or doesn't need to. He can do what he wants. He's kind of great. But a little humility before. Bef- um, before would be you know great you know win or lose because you know even you know he gives it up to Nate every time and you know as he should Nate's got respect for him too his fighting style is awesome so entertaining um, but yeah I mean it's he, I think it was a, a learning experience for him that you know and I don't think you know when Habib was texting him his location and stuff I don't think you know I wouldn't want to go to that you know you I, I, if this guy's gonna maul me I don't want it to be on the street so. And that's where I just, you know, I, I, I do find trouble with some of it, like the <coughs> the way that Connor approaches it, because it's like, man, like, if you're really going to attack this many things, like, or you're going, you're going, you're telling me that you're literally going to kill me. Yeah, well, he, you he said if, if you got off that bus, so I'd have been in a cell and you would have been in, know, a, that, in a box. Or, you've taken this past just sport-level promotion. Yeah. So, you know... I, I don't know. I've I've always kind of had uh, I had this kind of thought process too. You go knocking on the devil's door for long enough, sooner enough, or sooner or later, somebody's yeah. gonna come answer. Yeah, and there's always somebody who's bigger and badder, and you know, and yeah, and I, you know. Yep. So, I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, for me as a fight fan, though, like anybody can say what they want. When a bee popped that cage, I mean, me, I, I was I was with Raw Dog. You know, there was a group of us watching it. We were going crazy, man. I mean, we we rewinded that part without even rewinding the fight. Great fight. I mean, Habib dropped him on his feet. First time Connor's ever been dropped by Habib. Like, who would have ever thought that? And and as soon as that happened, I was like, this is not going to be good for Connor. You know, I, the, the fight definitely. I mean, Habib was winning. You know, he, when he locks your legs like that, it's just you know you're what I mean? immobilized. You can't do anything. It'd just be so. I couldn't imagine how frustrating <laughs> it is, you know. And just I don't, I don't blame guys for breaking because like it's in you know you wrestle. I wrestled, you know, you know what it's like when you're going against some guy who's just better, and it's right. you can't do anything. I mean, it's it's like you got to get it so to get demoralized. Yeah, and you got to be able to like get through that mental to get through it you know and you're probably gonna lose you know but you know there's definitely there's definitely times wrestling where i was like god i kind of just want to let this guy pick me because it's like you know at this point i'll probably just get tech fouled, you know like but yeah so i can see why hubby breaks people <coughs> and you know there was some people well connor needs to start running or this i, I don't connor could be the most conditioned yeah. athlete 
He could be which is conditioning. Cameron is Haynes, David Goggins, whoever of your in endurance athletes out there. Yeah, he could be one of the best in that sense. But that conditioning and the conditioning of grappling, of scrambling, of just wrestling itself, or to be prepared for what he would have had to have gone through going against a guy like Habib. Yeah, you cannot prepare yourself to condition no. for that. No, the only way that you can halfway prepare that conditioning is by mat time. Yeah. It's by going through that many, you know, not even minutes of rounds, going through full-on just days yeah. that turn into hours worth of rounds. And, and Habib has only way. done that for every year he's been on this earth. You Since know? he was, you know, before seven years old wrestling a bear. Yeah, that's what I'm... And, I mean, Connor's condition... His cardio has never been great. I mean, that's something that's, you know, obviously... But, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, I mean, Habib was going to finish that fight, you know. And I think the consensus, too, was that if it wasn't, you know... If it didn't end in the first, you know, maybe second round, Habib was going to win the fight. And, I mean, that's kind of... It was honestly just, like, even more... You know, I you know I thought that Connor would catch him at some point, and there would at least be some, you know... I mean, because Michael Johnson caught him, mm-hmm. and there was a little, you know, adversity that, you know, he came back from. But, you know, his style of fighting holds his chin up, you know, hands kind of low and, and that type of thing, but... For him to catch Connor was just in the end terrible fight for Connor to come back to. Yeah, you know because I don't you know I, I think a lot of guys have kind of disproved the theory of ring rust. Guys like Tyron Woodley to Dominic Tony Ferguson, Cruz, Tony Ferguson. I mean, what a performance by that guy! Right. So you know, there's there's been a lot more guys that have kind of disproved that thought of ring rust. But you know, hey, for some people it might be a little bit different. You know, you're especially Connor, who's someone who works so much off of creating angles, being fluid with his movement. Yeah. If you haven't been in there for two years, hey, it might be a little bit tougher that Yeah, and your last fight was a boxing match, which is, you know, a whole different whole right. different world. You yeah, train right. for your last training camp is for a boxing match. You know, I, I don't know that if I were him, I don't know that if I'd have made my first fight back. Be, I, I probably would have tried to do the Diaz trilogy, which I, it sounds like is probably going to be next for Connor. Oh, he! I think he has to cash in on that before, yeah. before, before he loses too many times. Honestly, yeah. because this is my personal take. I think that on any given night, I think that Tony could be. Anybody. I mean, I think that I, if there's anybody who can, it's Tony. I mean, he definitely. It's hard to argue that anybody's going to be Habib, but he would give at least on paper would definitely be just because of his wrestling pedigree. Right. And I mean, his boxing just like and it's. It's very unconventional, too. I mean, it's not, like, I mean, watching it with Brandon, you know, I mean, this guy, you know, one of the top-level strikers out there. And, I mean, he was just, like, hating on Ferguson's box, you know, just his, like, style kind of, you know. He's a big Pettis guy, though, too, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, I was like, dude, like, it, it, it's weird. It's unconventional, but look how effective it is. I mean, it's, like, four, five, six-punch combinations and just... The way he was slipping punches with it, too, was just so fluid. And, like, yeah. It stops. No. Talk about a gas tank. I think El Kakui and uh, Nate Diaz would be a really fun fight. I, agree. I think it would be a kind of a bad matchup for Nate. But I think it would be, you know, I think it would be a really exciting fight. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, no, I, I know... Nate would answer that third round call too. You know, no, no disrespect to Pettis because I mean that was one of the grittiest performances I've seen by him. You know, and you know you you never want to take more damage or anything like that. I would have loved to see a third round. I mean, they were you know 
See, the, and I think that it was more so. I think it was Duke Rufus's call. I, I don't know if he, it was well, Pettis's he, he asked, directly, but listening to the corner, it's like he asked him, and he wasn't like saying no, I'm good. You know, he yeah, wasn't saying he like wasn't I'm saying not good, but he wasn't saying you know. And it's one of those things where if he wasn't good, he doesn't want you know. You don't want to stop like that. It, you know, it's but. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, regardless, it was one of the two of the best rounds that you know I've witnessed. You know, Phenomenal. I mean, yeah. So I mean, no disrespect to Pettis, but the still shots are iconic from that fight. I would imagine Pettis with his tongue out, and that's what I mean. Like I've never, you know, you never seen in the when you found out he was the one who was cut. Right. You know, because at first it looked like El Kakui was the one who was cut, and I mean, the Pettis brothers, you know, they they've been known not to, they don't really like to mess up their their faces so I mean he definitely showed some grit a bit down on that mouthpiece and, and yeah so. it was kind of cool there was a you know there was a shot of John Hannock's shirt yeah he had the blood on the back he had yeah. the blood splatter right along his yeah. shoulder so you know everybody within range of yeah. the cage right then and there was uh, was getting hit from uh, from, right. from that fight. it was a good card I mean all in all um, karate hottie you know I mean yeah that, that, I, I'm a big Michelle Watterson fan for for more reasons than one, obviously. But you know, she uh, she is extremely talented, and just her kicks were crisp. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I mean, she. It sounds like she's getting Valentina next. That'd be that'd be an interesting matchup to yeah. see. It'd I be, mean, it'd be very very interesting. Is she got is she she going up to twenty five then, or was this last weekend at twenty five? I thought because she's normally been a fifteener. I think that it might have been at 25. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but but yeah, I can't believe that that's you know, and it's not to slight Eubanks or Valentina. I can't believe that that's what they made for the uh, for the main event at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, like you know, and and it's not so much if if they would have made that that from the beginning. Okay, cool. But the way that you teased us that there was going to be this even bigger main event ahead of Diaz Poirier, my whole thing is, and, and it's something that I'm sure the UFC will never directly confirm. I called it months back once I started seeing pictures of John Jones at the gym before they even had that his uh, suspension being lifted. They're going to get him on that card. The UFC was trying to go all in and planning on John Jones being ready for that card. Well, he got his suspension was a weird number in the 15 months. 15 it, co- months. it ended a week before the fight. I mean, that's what it definitely. And then when Dana's saying, oh, no, that's not going to happen, it's usually, okay, that's what's going to happen. When right. Dana says no, it's usually yes. You know? But then according to, uh, according to Chael Sonnen, John Jones legitimately did get the call and then said that he was not ready. Said that he would not have been in, you know, he wasn't close enough to be able to make weight, to do all of that. And it would have been the matchup with Gus. But, you know, so say John Jones isn't ready. Especially because, you know, reasonably speaking in his head, why why would he be ready if nobody's ever had a 15-month suspension before? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it was... But who else turned down the call? Because I guarantee you, that wasn't the second matchup that they tried to go to. Yeah. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, if Gustafson's still on it, man, I mean, <coughs> Lionheart, you know. I, I mean, wish he's got would have made that fight. Though. And I mean, you know, obviously he's got he's got a fight coming up. Um, you know, but would it? You know, he comes out. You know, another quick finish. I mean, I don't. I I I want to. I want to see that fight with Gustafson. I would and love to see that fight. So, I mean, maybe... 
you know, gets on the mic again after an impressive win if he goes out there and, you know, does his thing. And, you know, maybe they can make that happen. Hopefully Gustafson's Volken's a ready. big name, you know. I mean, Volken, He's a very big name. I mean, Volken, the only time where he really got starched was DC, and he looked bad against yeah, DC. Yeah, but leading up to that, he was... He was... Yeah, he was knocking people up in, like, 20, 30 seconds, man. No, it's a... It's a I like the matchup <laughs> for Anthony. I like, you know, when I saw that fight announced, I was excited. And oh, it's... Yeah. And it's Somebody who, you know, is, you know, a very, very formidable opponent that has the pedigree that can take him to that next level as well, you know, and get him into those, you know, contender championship talks because, I mean, you know, finishing Rashad in Shogun, you know, you can say whatever you want to, you know, anything, them being that season should be a disadvantage, you know, and it'd be one thing if he beat him by decision, he completely destroyed them. You know, it was no, not even, you know, no and you could, question. and you could tell as soon as, you know, the cage door closed who the better fighter was. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks volumes more than him beating them, you know, the way he beat them, the, you know, it was like, they were the, they were the up and comers, you know, right. and he was the, you know, the guy who's won the belts, you know, so. And Anthony is young overall oh. still, I mean, he's, he's barely 30 years old. And that's like, that's prime time. seasoning. And- the game is not young. Yeah. I mean, he's 40, 40 professional fights deep within his career now. No, that's, he's like in, like, it's a spot you want, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, most 29, 30, 31 is when fighters are peaking and they're getting, you know, they're getting their championship opportunities and stuff. And then, like you said, along with, you know, his experience, I mean, yeah, he's he's in a good spot right now mm-hmm. and just needs to, you know, and I mean, I got, I mean, the dude's an animal. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've seen him at Factory X before. I mean, he trains hard, you know. And incredibly nice dude, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's that's what's, you know, most, when you're around enough, you, that's, like, kind of the consensus, you know. There's a few that here and there that, you know, are kind of, you know, tough guys. And, but most of them, I mean, like, I think about Brandon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of one occasion when he ever told somebody, oh, I'm a professional mixed martial artist, you know. And I think that speaks volumes, you know. That's the, the ninja way, you know. You you don't tell, you know. You don't need, you don't need to brag about it, you know. Just right. go out there and do your job and staying humble with it. Exactly, and you know, goes a long way. But I mean, I think that's top from the top down at Factory X. I mean, and you know, and you know, iron sharpens iron. You know, they're all all in it together. You know, and it's not. Because, I mean, MMA is a team sport, you know, as much as, you know, if you don't have the right corner when you're out there, it's going to make a difference, you know. If you don't have the right training partners before you're out there, it's going to make a difference, you know. So, it's, you know, definitely, definitely good. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to that mini hunt video. I mean, that's, yeah. when I can get, when I can, and that's, I've been real lucky to be able to work with Brandon and Yusef and now mini hunt because, I mean, their fights are just exciting, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, mini hunts fights are a highlight in themselves you know mm-hmm. like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be hard to narrow down footage you know exactly so yeah being able to work with guys like that is just definitely <coughs> definitely something i want to continue to do you know and just you know it's it's one of those things where you know i'm passionate about it too i'm a fight fan i mean that's what i told uh mini hunt when i was like you know we should cut a highlight video it's like i'm you know ufc Pride legends, you know, dudes in Risen, all, anybody you want, like, you're one of my favorite fighters. Like, you're exciting, like, you're a brawler, like, that's what I grew up, you know, watching. You know, I'm a Diaz Brothers fan, you know, yep. for forever. 
you know, when I when I saw Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz, I'm sorry, hit Gomi with that go go. You know, my brother, you know, I was just getting into like mixed martial arts too. You know, like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, and I was like, what is that? Like, what is this guy doing? And then like going and watching like the you know uh, Ninja Warrior videos on him with Lazy the Savage, who going you know with my videography stuff, he's an influencer for me. Is Lazy the Savage, who's cut a lot of videos for the Diaz brothers, and just like his style of video and you know adding you know audio over video you know like um interview audio you know like that um i think it's ain't no bitch that video like it's just interviews of him you know and it's like there's no music there's just like a weird like underlining track you know mm. and it's just interviews some fight footage and just like nate diaz or nick diaz just you know being nick diaz and like it's tight though you know like it's not your conventional style of you know, and I think that's something I like. I learned a lot about Nick Diaz through his Lazy the Savage videos because this was before he was, you know, he had been in the UFC before, mm-hmm. but before, you know, he was, you know, fighting GSP and, you know, getting the camera time in the UFC. This is what he fought, you know, was fighting Jeremy Jackson and, you know, Carl Parisian and getting robbed and Diego Sanchez and getting robbed and Joe Riggs and getting robbed. That was a war, though, him and Diego, because that, yeah. that was a young Diego. That, that, that one. I'm a huge, I'm as big of a Nate Diaz fan as you can be. I love the Diaz brothers. Yeah. That's one of the very yeah. few that I can say that, man, that one I could have gone either way. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you because know. Because Diego had such a pace through that entire and, fight. And you. And I'm the, a huge Diego fan, though, too. Oh, yeah. But, no, I mean, he's, no, I'm with he's you 100%, legend. though, man. And it's the way that knows you, me knows that I'm a big Diaz oh, brothers hey, fan. Man. Well, I'm glad to be on your show, then, man. Because, yep. yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's always been, you know, yeah, me and Brandon, always Diaz brothers, man. Like, I mean, I remember that fight against Paul Daly in Strike Force, man. Like, Dude, the grit, like, I thought he was going to get knocked out. And, I mean, he's only, it's Jeremy Jackson finished him. I believe he's the only guy to stop. The only time. Yeah, who, man, that guy could have been so good. Yeah, and that, w- and that was a young, young Nick, too. That was, oh, yeah. yeah that, no, when that fight happened. But. No, yeah, he was, and Jeremy Jackson, was, like, he was going to be world champ if he, you know, obviously, like, he's done horrible things. He's a prison now, you know. And before then, you know, he was just a wild, you know, he's on the Ultimate Fighter and he got kicked out for, he had to go meet up with some girl or something but I mean Jeremy Jackson like that guy was you know he was he could have been a world champ especially at that time I mean he was one of the more advanced fighters in the sport so to lose to a guy like that at that point was like you know and Nick was more of a jiu-jitsu guy come I think is the Lawler fight that really showcased like and I mean obviously I mean that might have been his first time working with Richard Perez or you know leading up to that fight I'm not exactly sure I can't remember where they came along uh, but, but his, that's, that's so huge for those guys that they were with Richard Perez oh yeah and it's yeah I mean his boxing style just translates so well to MMA I mean it's just yeah and so when he knocked out Lawler when you routinely spar with Andre Ward that's a that's a big help. yeah well and I mean the Diaz brothers are supposed to I mean I still I'm still waiting for that Silva Diaz uh, boxing match you know what I mean I mean I would I would definitely pay for that you know see and I, I think that I think Nick got robbed against Anderson I think that that was that that was a robbery I mean, to I me mean, you know it Anderson definitely wasn't do anything it definitely wasn't five rounds to nothing I mean in the Diaz brother because it was four, 50 45 if I if I'm rem- I remembering right I think every round went to Anderson and I mean that's just the I mean, it just kind of comes with the de- they don't win decisions. I mean, I could say the same thing about Brandon. I mean, going back, you know, 
like when he won this last decision, I mean, he clearly won the fight, you know. But I thought he, but I thought he beat Palacios, you know. I, you know, um, with what's the other kid who um, fought he I, who he fought in Pueblo? Urso, Nick Urso, Nick Urso. I mean that you know had a lot of top control and stuff but Brandon was a busier fighter he was you know doing more damage trying to finish more so and you know I could say you know based off you know aggression and you know trying to advance position and I mean yeah he's on his back but he's moving off his back the whole time and just that fighting style it's hard to win decisions because it's a fighting style for finishes you know what I mean so when you don't get the finish a lot of the time you're with judges half the time you don't know what the fuck they're talking about they're getting better though at least now because going back to when Nick was losing all those decisions the judging was definitely <coughs> towards wrestling like, like you know takedowns were all that really matters you know what I mean like they didn't even care you know this guy could have landed you know 30 significant stri- strikes in this round but oh he got the takedown like it was very like wrestling oriented and now you can see that's changed and you can tell with you know like I, I can tell by judges' calls which ones are more wrestlers or you know whatever. And, you know I can always tell which guys favor jujitsu because I favor jujitsu. I'm like this guy's on his back, but he's you know going for arm bars, he's going for triangles, he's you know he's getting into scrambles, he's getting up, he's you know whatever. I give it to him. Other people always been on his back, you know, which I think too is a lot of casual fans. Think you know they they think they're losing and you know so that is the struggle half the time when I go to watch parties or some of that sort of stuff just like and I just have to keep my mouth shut half the time yeah. like, you guys have no idea what you're talking and, about over here and, and that, know, that could right? be some of the judges though that I feel like some of the times like Adelaide Burke I'm sorry she has no business judging yeah I mean in any combat sport yeah. now at this point and she's definitely been the driving force of why fighter that of one didn't get the win I mean yeah when you're basically when you're talking 50% of your purse and you're talking a lot more opportunities based off of what the outcome of that fight is I'm sorry man like my my thought is is I, I, I'm in agreement with guys like Joe Rogan that you need to have more judges yeah like, or in even to put them up in like a, like don't have them cage side up in a room with the video monitor, you know what I mean? Like, because right. it, no it, it's, it's really hard. I mean, like, we, you know, this is the last time I'll go back to Brandon, but like, when I'm watching him fight, you know, I'm like, if he lands something and, like, you know, it may not be that significant, I'm going to cheer, I'm going to clap, I'm going to make it seem significant, you know what I mean? Because it makes a difference, man. Like, crowd noise can affect the judge's opinion on, you know. It can affect the entire momentum of everything going on, for yeah. that matter. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I think that if you were to add more judges to the panel, more qualified judges to the panel, you're going to eliminate the outliers, you know, the slapdick outliers. If yeah. yeah. Because, if you, I mean, if you put, you no, know, in, in any grouping of people that way, you know, if you put ten people together in general, it's probably safe to say that one of them might be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a knucklehead. Yeah. Well, so, you know, if you, but that one is a lot less if you yeah. then, but if you had that one, it was in three. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one judge, you know, can make, you know, a, you know, majority decision be a majority draw, you know, which makes a difference, you know, it's, but no, I mean, it's, I, in, and, to be fair, MMA, mixed martial arts is a relatively new sport. I mean, it's very, very young, so. I think 
in general, you know, you get a lot of, you know, casual, and Conor McGregor brings out, brings them out of the woodworks, you right. know. I mean, there was a lot of McGregor that I saw, you know, posting on social media, you know, that just simply, like, you know, weren't qualified to be making, the, you know, the, the, these types of statements, you know, but it just kind of comes with the territory. I mean, I, when Floyd and McGregor fought, I mean, that was the worst, because then you got all the casual boxing fans and all the casual mixed martial arts fans all together and just speaking nonsense, you know, but... You know, it's it's the fight game, you know, and it's cool. You know, I respect. We we need the casuals as hardcore it, fans. You it, know, because Conor, yeah. at, at most, I mean, we're we're as hardcore fans of the game. At most, fifteen percent of the market. Yeah, absolutely. We need yeah. the other eighty-five. No, the UFC wanted the other eighty-five to stay afloat. Yeah, and they wouldn't be. You know, it wouldn't if there weren't guys like McGregor. Yeah. Or, you know, Chuck Liddell. I mean, think about how many people got into the sport because of Chuck Liddell. I mean, talk about you know. I mean, can't wait for that Tito fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be ugly. I'm going to stream it. I think it's going to be really, really bad. Like, probably. I don't know if you've seen any of Chuck's training videos or not. I don't know if I want to, man. I can imagine it looks like Holloway when he was concussed, you know? Worse. Yeah. Dude, it's just so robotic, and it's just like, Chuck, I really, really hope that this was like the first round of warm-ups. Yeah. Because... Well, Tito's probably the favorite coming in this fight, don't you think? I would have to imagine, just because, you know, that that five-year gap is much more significant now. Now that Chuck's 48, Tito's 43. Yeah, and just the way Tito has stayed training. And how Tito, you know, Tito didn't get knocked out four times in a row or whatever, like Chuck did to to end his career. Like, Tito just simply didn't take the damage that Chuck took, you know. When he, you know, Chuck would go out on his shield. You saw Tito, when Chuck was teeing off on him in the first two fights, he covered his face, went to the ground, fight was over, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, he's the fresher, you know. Sounds like that neck's good, I mean. And Chuck, you know, Chuck was always known as a partier, man. Chuck oh, was yeah. always known as one who was uh, who wasn't a stranger to you know a little bit of uh, candy. If you oh will. yeah, I mean I, I yeah you know so how how much of that through the years has then just basically expedited his aging or his, yeah. his process that Father Time has taken against him? Because like I say, man, watching him hit mitts in those videos and watching yeah, him just throw, I, I say this from the standpoint of. If I can read his shoulder out every twenty minutes, you're good. But uh, I mean, all his shots were big, and you know, telegraphed, and you know, just guys back then. I mean, to put it simply, didn't know how to throw their hands. Like it just wasn't really. I mean, like the I, I go back to like the first season of Ultimate Fighter. Fights were really, really, really boring. You know, I mean, and if it weren't for the Bonner uh, Griffin fight, you know, for you know, two guys, you know, and it. It's not like, you know, you go back and watch it. It's not like there's these great technical fighters or anything like that. It was a different time in the sport. But, you know, luckily that wasn't, uh, you know, hug each other against the fence type of fight, which a lot of fights were, at the, you know. And then, I you know, I, I credit, like, Anderson Silva and guys like that is when really, you know, I, Anderson Silva probably a lot of it because... He's a big part. Because he was exciting to watch. And just, you know, it was more... It was elegant. It, you know, it was footwork. It was, you know, it wasn't just grab and hold and, you know, it wasn't point fighting. Like, this guy was picking his shots and... 
and he wasn't a ground and pounder either. No. So yeah. you know, I mean, because the sport had its big stars prior to the Anderson Pop. You know, yeah. you you had your you know Ch- Chuck was probably the big the biggest yeah. name up to that point it, that that had a style that could gravitate to people that way. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of you know the, the guy Matt who Hughes I think really and, intru- you know because because yeah you had your guys like your Matt Hughes your yeah. Couture's of the world th- those guys who were who were phenomenal yeah don't get me wrong, but the wrestling style I'm, I'm a huge fan of it but it's not something that yeah. appeals to the masses in that way yeah and I mean it's not you know you know it's a fight you know you're gonna you know do what you got you know I mean you can't it's part of it you know if you don't want to get laid on for 15 minutes. We're kind of takedown defense, you know. It's it's you know it's, it's still looking back. The biggest uh, cry and shame or the guy who missed the boat on all of it that I th- you know, or at least was marketed or had the hype to have been one of the just the elites of the elite was Vitor. Yeah, because there were some times, man, where Vitor, you just saw just absolute highlight reel things. Oh yeah, I mean. But then, as certain, you know, when he would get to big moments, he was on the other end of the highlight more times than not. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like you, you see, like when Vitor and Vandalay fought, like yeah. that, that just sprint that he had was yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah, no, I mean, and, you, and that was, you know, guys weren't doing that at that time in the sport. You know what I mean? They were like just how his hands were so fast. You know what I mean? Like these guys, they weren't doing that. Yeah, literally looked like a bull yeah, too coming at you because his fucking traps, because he was so yeah. roided out of his mind, well, started above his ears, and, went down. And, and that shoulders. goes back to Vitor's. I mean, you know, he was, you know, but that was the time. You know, it was a different, it was a different ballgame. You know, a lot of those heavyweights back then, man. Like, yeah, you know, that, that's just like saying people try to make the argument sometimes of, of the steroid with guys in baseball. That, that's the sport. Yeah, I because mean... Because it's going to come out, you know, probably 15, 20 years from now that, oh, everybody or so many big names in the NFL are roided up. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to... Um, that That's the climate of the... That's the climate of the, of the game. I that's mean, the temperature of the room for everybody yeah. and what they're doing then and there. I mean, people who... Like, winning is everything and they're, you know... I mean, throughout history... Athletes have always been trying to gain an advantage, and you, as an athlete, at some point in your life, you're probably going to have to make a choice in that regard, you know, especially in, you know, you know, maybe not so now, you know, sports are getting cleaned up a little bit more and whatnot, but, you know, back to, you know, the 90s and, you know, Major League Baseball and stuff, I mean, guys had to make a choice, you know, do you want to be good or do you want to be great to be great? And to be like these guys, you have to do what these guys are doing, and that is to cheat. Guys who really, really, really want to win are going to do it. And right. champions really, really, really want to win, you know. And guys are willing to, to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of hard to blame them because it's a cultural problem, you know what I mean? Like in sport, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, if always, you know, go back to Athens, Greece, and, you know, sure, it was maybe some wine or something, right. was to, you know, which is, you know, doesn't, you know, now it's like a kind of perform, but back, you know, they're getting an edge, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just something that, you know, and there's constantly new stuff coming, you know, right. I mean, so. Well, and, and the thing is, is the drugs are always years ahead of the testing. Exactly. And so in that, in that sort of thing, too, where I feel bad for some guys is, hey, there might be something that you're taking right now. Yeah. That, it, that is perfectly fine. 
Yeah. You know, like, like especially if you, if you look at a lot of the supplements that were around in, say, like the early 2000s around in there, well, there's a lot of people who have had from, other, you know, not necessarily MMA, but in other sports where they, they freeze your samples. Yeah. Well, now, a lot of yeah. that stuff you test hot for. Yeah. But oh, yeah. back then, it was perfectly legal. So, you know, I mean, where, where do you draw the line? It's... And that's why I, I don't I don't try to knock some of the guys of the uh, of the steroid era within MMA, if you will, because that was something that was so widespread across the board that you can't yeah. just narrow it down and say, oh no, this guy only did that because of that. When almost any weight class, there were guys that were popping, so you could say, oh well, he's a heavyweight versus him being a one seventy. Well, I'm pretty sure Johnny Hendricks popped at one seventy. I mean, you look at him now. Right, and now but, now you look at him. He's, well, I mean, he's like, close to two seventy. You know, yeah, not not, not literally, but not far off he's, yeah. he's bare knuckle boxing against I think he's going against Chris Lieben in a couple weeks is it Lieben he's going against yeah I'm pretty sure it's Lieben that he's uh, maybe he's not going against Lieben but Lieben's he, on he's, the card on, too. he's on the same card yeah it's up in uh, it's was, up in Casper I was always a Lieben see Lieben for those you know going back to that time in the sport you know, you know, Lieben was, you know, he wasn't, a, you know, in comparison now to you know these top level athletes. None of these guys were top level athletes. Then, you know what I mean? They were just like tough dudes who, you know, had some sort of training. But I mean, he, you know, to his credit, he was one of the few guys in that era that like was trying to take heads off. And you know, he wasn't. And then, you know, once he was on his back, though, it was over. You know, because he, you know, his jujitsu eventually got good. I mean, good enough. I mean, he was towards his end of his UFC tenure. I remember him submitting people with triangles and stuff. So he, you know, he figured it out. And obviously, he had substance abuse problems. Not, you know, he wasn't getting trouble for the for the performance enhancing drugs more the recreational exactly but yeah no um i actually really liked leaving in that because he was he's trying to take heads off man you know you know i i i back in the day i've grown to like and appreciate leaving so much more as i've gotten older but like back in the day when he was on the ultimate fighter like when that aired i used to just you know that that was like the guy who i couldn't stand. see i i felt like it was way easier to hate Koscheck. Oh, I hated Koscheck, okay. too. I hated both of them. Okay. I yeah. couldn't stand either one yeah. of them when they were on the show. They were, they were like, two like, high school girls going at it. Yep. Like, yeah, exactly. And even still now, like, see, Koscheck, I respect for you know for what he's done in the cage. He's, a, he's an elite-level wrestler. He's great. And he started knocking people out towards the end of his tenure, but too. it's just, dude, when you act like such a candy ass for so long in, yeah. in the house, and then when he faked the knee... What he faked? Uh, what he faked? Getting hit in that oh, fight? Oh yeah, and, yeah. But then it, yeah. when he was later yeah. on the Ultimate Fighter, later on helping out Coach, that it, that blew up into a whole, uh, yeah. you know, a whole scrum of everybody. But he was like, "What are you gonna do? Fake a knee again?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. know, Chris Lieben though, he's a he's a guy who I think was very misunderstood initially. Yeah. No, he, he had his he, issues. You know, he he just he evolved on me. In that way, yeah. you know, I, I misunderstood what he was to, but but that was one dude. No matter what, you knew he was always coming to fight. Oh yeah, no, I mean he yeah. he's that friend that like you know every you know he's you know he's always you know if you, if you need somebody to you know come back you know if like if things are getting bad and like you're about to you know take some damage like Levin will be there to uh, mm-hmm. to help you out you know no questions asked. So I mean he's definitely, but I mean in going back to just that show I mean well now this season is the heavy hitters so you got and you got the 45 women and then the heavyweight you know so it's not you know at least I mean I will say that 
uh, I've been very, very impressed with a couple of the girls' performances. You know, I haven't I mean, watched any of this season yet. Um, I mean, I haven't been too invested, but I, there's a couple. I mean, I can't, I can't even give you names because I mean, I'll catch an episode here and there. But there's a couple performances from the girls that I mean, they're getting it. You know, and going back to, I mean. Look at, you know, when women's MMA first came into the UFC to where it is now. I mean, leaps and bounds, you know. And that's, you know, it's it's still behind the men's side just because it's so much younger, you know. But, I mean, how far it's come in such a short, I mean, it's 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 exciting, you know. And you still remember Ronda Liz Carmouche. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And whole, completely different, you know more kind of like the earlier you know tough days and stuff the way the fights were a lot more grappling you know you're trying to submit them you're trying to get on top like now these ladies are they're throwing man they're trying to knock each other out you know and they are you know they're stopping each other and i mean it's definitely the sport is it's come so far and i mean that's you know why why are starting to get some of those world level specialists that have made that conversion over young yeah. Granted, she missed weight by an absurd amount the last time, but Mackenzie Dern is yeah. legit when it comes to jujitsu. Oh yeah, you know you have your uh, you have She'll obviously you, out, too. you know your your known names like your your cyborgs and your Holly Holmes who or you know Valentina Shevchenko. You think you think Nunes can beat no. cyborgs? No. Personally, I don't. I, I, mean, I just. I, yeah, I mean, there's always, there's been, like, times before where I'm like, I don't know, I think she might be able to do it, and it's like, in the back of my head, I'm like, absolutely not. No, I, I think that the dominance that we saw, like, from Habib the other night is exactly what Cyborg would, I think that if there's any woman on the planet at that this has point, a chance. That, because I thought that at one point, if there was one... It'd be Rhonda. No, I okay. think it was going to okay, be, I, I, thought, gonna... I thought that it was going to be Holly. Yeah, because I, mean, I thought the Holly's the took one who's big enough and long enough. I should have to... took every bet on that home Rousey fight, man. I knew Holly was going to knock her out, man. I knew she was going to knock her out. But you know, the thing with Holly though is, is I give Holly every bit of due and credit because Holly stood and banged for five rounds. Yeah. Like, no. how, how many people could do that? Yeah. And no. the UFC, I don't know what they're thinking when they blew it with uh, with Megan, because. You don't have very many opponents to be able to give Cyborg in the first place. No. About the only other one that you could have potentially tried to sell right then and there was Megan. Yeah. You know, Megan is six feet tall. She walks around at 175 pounds. She is the Australian queen of MMA, yeah. former military member. You know, all, all these so on and so forth things that you could have tried to sell, but then you make that fight with Holly... And she stuck her toe. I think that I think that Megan is really good. I think she's going to come back a lot stronger yeah, than what she yeah. had in that fight. It was just kind of one of those, you know, welcome to the big league or welcome to the big show kind of fights because Holly is that good. Yeah. No. I mean, and but that, you you give her that one right away, then you ruin you ruin the opportunity to make that cyborg fight as soon as possible with her or to yeah. build that star power. And I mean, to be fair, um, I mean, I don't think Dana Wise ever been viewed as a promotional genius. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot smaller promotions that, you know, I feel are have better promoters, you know. But, you know, at this point, you know, the UFC doesn't really need to, you know, be, you know, it promotes itself, you know, and how far he's come. But, I mean, Dana White, I mean, there's definitely been missed opportunities that, you know, we've all, we've all seen. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, some like super fights that that he never made happen that you know very well could have happened um and i think him too is he protects fighters i mean he you know he definitely 
and like I, I don't know how much he probably. I mean, he wanted the Connor and Khabib fight to go on, but you know, I'm not sure if he in the back of his mind wasn't like this. This is kind of bad, you know. Like I don't. It's going to be a nice payday, but it's definitely taking away, you know, Connor's just dominance, you know. His, mm-hmm. And, you know, he definitely, his loss to Nate put, a, like, a little chink in his armor, but then he came back. And, I mean, I'm a little biased, too, but I thought Nate won that fight. You know, I thought Connor. I think he won both. Yeah, I mean, when you're turning your back to a guy. But, I mean, neither here nor there. You know, it's for a different day. But, you know, this was the one that really, you know, like Connor in – it's hard to come back from that as a champion. I mean, look at what happened to Ronda. Look at what happened to Tyson, you know, when you when you lose that, you know, facade of, you know. Because Ronda was winning fights before she even went in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that was probably, you know, why she got knocked out by Holly Holm is because, I mean, part of it is just Edmund, that team. I mean, they're telling her that she can strike with a world-class kickboxer. I mean, because Ronda, she, like, you know. She, she thought like you know she was a striker all of a sudden which and that that within itself was a like a fire them now yeah. for making you think and then she goes back in there against Nunez and, and worse it was way worse yeah no I, they did the same thing to her husband Travis Brown yeah because I mean Travis H- Brown H- started was one of the hottest prospects yeah. in the heavyweight division for a minute yeah but in with him too is I mean how many fights was he like finishing he's gonna and then like it just no hard or no chin or something because he would always lose fights that he was winning you know like all the time right. and so I is he is he just still for air did he retire or I mean Hop is, I don't know what the overall status is I, think I haven't he's heard anything from him. yeah I mean I'm surprised Bellator hasn't tried to I like you know going back to there was PFL PFL. I'm a huge fan. I mean, I really, and especially like, you know. I think that, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I think the uh, the offense on Travis Brown's record probably hurts his potential employment opportunities other I places. Mean, I would imagine. Especially coming off of the losing streak that way. And granted, that's contradictory because Greg Hardy just keeps on getting more opportunities. Yeah. But he's it's, winning. It's, yeah, I think that's, that's, the, that, that's yeah. the difference is he's winning. Yeah, no, I'm... And in Travis Brown's recent losses, like the loss to Derek Lewis, like, did not look good. No. And, you know, he went to me when Hoppe was was well. He had his his wide stance going more. He wasn't so tall. He wasn't just almost like a stationary target at times. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, mean, Edmund's definitely not... I don't think many fighters are... Well, I, I, I think he's in a lot of financial... Has a lot of financial issues going on right now. But yeah. I, on top of that, I don't think fighters are rushing to go train under him, you know. I mean, he's kind of been known to put his his fighters in some compromising positions and yeah. the way he runs his business, and, you know. And which is weird why Ronda would want to stay there, you know. I mean, she could have... I mean, I'm not saying that, you know... She was going to be, you know, the greatest female fighter ever or anything like that. But, you know, she definitely could have advanced a lot more and, you know, sharpened her skills just going anywhere else. I think she wanted her, her tie with Manny or the connection with Manny Gamburian was probably too tight and, to... And on top separate. of that, she's 
probably wanted, like, she didn't want to challenge herself, you know. I mean, you could, you know, you do the same thing every training camp eventually. When you start doing all, the, you know, when you're doing more Hollywood ops and all of that before uh, before you're actually training, you know. I mean, and everybody's pumping your ego and, you know. I mean, think about how many fights Mike Tyson didn't train for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was winning those fights, you know. But he's like, you know, I'm trying to think of one specifically where he's like, yeah, I didn't train. Right. It's like, I didn't train for this fight, like, after post-fight interview. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. But I it's, broke my back. Yeah. <laughs> Spinal. <laughs> but um, it's just like, he was he won fights before he even went in there, you know? Right. And so, I mean, watching, yeah, watching Ronda go down like that was, you know, just, and I mean, that you know, her fight before that was Bech Correa, I think, oh, okay. which is, you know, probably the most unathletic, you know, jump jump touch I've ever seen in my life you know warming up for that fight so it's like her level of competition before Holly wasn't you know pretty basic you know you have her against Misha Tate who you know it, who finished Holly home which I should have bet on that fight too I knew she was going to finish like I just it, it was crazy because Holly was winning that whole fight almost decidedly fight. and then the jiu-jitsu in the end was too much yeah and Holly home she went out she went out she went out swinging yeah, no, I love Holly. Yeah, the preacher's daughter. Yeah, no, yeah, she, you gotta love it. No, Especially that a, video that her and Michelle Waterson put out a couple weeks ago, talking, the dance video. We were watching that fight. Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, wow. Yeah, like no. Yeah, Holly, oh well, you know, yeah. you you look you looking for that guy? You know, I'll cash all the chips in <laughs> right now. You know, they're team all booty, man. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what it was for uh, for the Felice Herrig and uh, and Michelle Waterson fight. I think Brady Shop called it that you know like that no, for you know first team all dime piece fight or something like that. I mean Felice does have a she's got she's got a nice one on her too, man. Oh, very 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 nice body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, but so but yeah, a little a little sidetracked with that. Yeah. But, but you know, it's uh, some some red but red blooded men over here talking. <laughs> you know, got, got to address all the elephants in the room here. <laughs> But so we've been going uh, going for a little while. Is there anything that we haven't maybe touched or covered at this point that you uh, that you want to get out there to uh, to your fans or to uh, to the people out there listening? Um, I mean, first and foremost, I just appreciate you having me on. Oh, Sitting here talking Thank sports, you, you know, especially combat sports. Is, I mean, something I can do all day. Oh, so. me too, man. It's been a pleasure talking but, with you. Yeah, no, I. But I mean, just if you guys need work, man. I mean, remember this logo. We'll, we'll get it. Remember that logo. I know. I know it's not focused, but here we are. And yeah, if you yeah, need, we'll have that running on the video feed once we get this running for y'all too. So. If you need um, posters, videos, um, photos, um, just let me know. Um, very affordable too. Um, willing to work and do just about anything. So yeah, I mean, any any type of creative content. I mean, you need. I mean, I, I did journalism, too. If you need me to write a, a game story, uh, I'm your man, you know. So, yeah, Hollywood's Most Humble Productions, um, HMH Productions, Instagram, Hollywood's Most Humble, Facebook, Hollywood's Most Humble Productions, and, yeah, just uh, just want to work. That's, that's, that's the right way to be, man. You know, iron sharpens iron all across the board. Yeah, I keep on... Keep on tying back to Mark saying with that. So yeah, no, yeah. I mean it's it, it applies in in a lot of different areas. You know, the, yeah. the fight game and you know that mentality. You know, if you use that in life, I think it, it, it can really do wonders for you. You know, just that that warrior spirit. You know, you don't have to be beating people up to be a warrior. You know, so right. 
you know, yeah. that, this is kind of the way that I take it as uh, as we transition off. Everybody's going to have their bad days. Everybody's going to have the adversity, the bad moments, the uh, the trifling experiences that you're going to come across in your life. But it's more so it's a matter of how do you react, how do you adapt, how do you overcome that adversity. That's where real, true character is found in film. Absolutely. Because you can be that guy who says, oh, poor me, or why me? But that's going you're, you're, you're basically you're going to compound all of those effects yeah you are the energy that you attract and if you're someone who says that you know what yeah that happened bad but I'm going to take you know I'm going to foul that pitch off and I'm ready to dig back into the box ready for the pitch to come that I'm going to swing on yeah you know no I've been I've been both guys man and you know this people underestimate how important mental mm-hmm. strength is you know what I mean and just emotional maturity and being able to just handle life you know it's something that they don't teach you in school you know they don't you know unfortunately you kind of have to go through it to Mm -hmm. to learn it you know you're not going to learn it in a book but you know you're gonna you got to take you know the good with the bad and i mean we're all we're all human we're all here you know you just kind of you didn't have a choice, man, so figure it out, you know. So. Yeah, yep, that's the truth. So, uh, so, you know, make sure that you all that are out there listening, you give uh, you give Hollywood's Most Humble a follow, check out their work, see how, you know, maybe with your uh, with your projects going forward, you might be able to provide some value for you there. Quick couple of shout-outs on my end as we throw this out. I want to throw a shout-out to the Terp House, Got Terps, I do. You know, Brandon has done a, done a great job for me and does a great job for all the athletes out there. So make sure that you check out theturphouse.com for the best in your uh, best in the CBD industry for all of your needs on the recovery aspect of uh, aspect of your training, or just in general with life. You know, I've got got my parents on it, helping with general inflammation reduction. So something that's applicable for everyone across the board. I want to throw a shout out also to uh, to Beyond Bridges Music as well as uh, as well as Lionheart or excuse me Lion League Music. They've done, they've done a lot of work for us here with uh, with comments from the peanut gallery and just a lot of mutual things across the board. So shout out to all of you guys out there. And also want to throw uh, throw one out for Selena Rowland, who just came away with a victory first round uh, first round submission via Americana last week. And then at the end of the month, comments from the peanut gallery's very own Jordan Titoni. He, uh, he throws down at, I believe it's the Buffalo Run Casino down in New Mexico. But nonetheless, Jordan Titoni fights at the end of the month. So Mr. Tapper Knapp, ready to see another one, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Enjoy your day, people. In a place for Judas niggas claiming family, I don't sacrifice. Grip a 40, sip a 40 for them gutter pains. Keep a release on a mobile for them, show me nice. I ain't living right. Long little game. Maximize capital, finite physical. Fuck metaphorical, my whole life digital. Dash for that play, now I'm playing, I never played up. Cords get stringy when you tied line the case up. Need me on me, ho, that's what they say when I free flow. Might wet that sweet spot, that that's less love me flowing. From no M state, still screaming B mo. My time is my time, homie, I speed slow. No eyes, strong ties, fuck a Rico. Give thanks, drive slow and stack peso. Kiss your minds out through my little eye yeah. Lay low and stay cool, the shit stressful, boy. That's why I stay high. 
Look, there they go, macadamian, don't know a brainian, a match a cranium. So we roll up on you like Damien in that Mercedes Benz. Got weed and drink with some lady friends who got the latest shit, but they fans and shit, so I ain't hit. Damn, here go the base again, rent and evade your place again. We on the Vegas strip, rocking straight out that bodega shit. You know we so legit, with no limit like I'm soldier slim, but I'm more like Kim C. Pinkies up, feel me? Got my soldiers with me and my youngest down the ride. Got some bread up in the hills, got some sauce up on the side. Got Tino in here working like a nigga working night. Said your girl just ain't this type, she just trying to catch a ride and she with it. And she's so committed. Damn, your boy is fresh to death and you ain't even sent it. We cut from a different cloth and you can check my linens. Cause I was trying to stand out when you was trying to fit in. Adios.